Amen. We have victory in who? That's right. That's right. And we walk by faith with him. And uh, it's an honor today to have Brother Terry Chupp. He's going to come on forward this morning. And uh, Brother Terry and I's relationship goes way back. We were reflecting on it yesterday in our meeting uh, where uh, Brother Terry's uh, really met my, my older brother, Lynn, who's with the Lord now. And uh, Brother Lynn helped start the children's fishing event that we do every year. Um, and so we're grateful to have him uh, be a part of that. But, but the truth is, Brother Terry and I have just been good friends. And I don't have anybody else that picks on me nearly as bad <laughs> as Terry Chupp. Uh, but all in the name of Jesus, and he is—he uh, walks his talk, and he loves Jesus, and he loves sharing about Jesus, and there just ain't no stopping him. I, mean, I was telling him yesterday at the witnessing uh, classes we had, he can he can witness to dirt, and it'll come to Jesus. So uh, it's amazing to me to watch him just share his faith. So we're honored to have him today. Will you welcome him to Northside? Good morning. How y'all doing today? You know, I am so proud to be down south where I can see y'all. And people don't look at me funny. I've been in this ministry now for about 28 and a half years, and I, I literally have been blessed to minister from, my goodness, from Maine to California to South Florida. And, and I just love being home with my home folks. Now, now, we live in Georgia. And by the way, the correct spelling of that is J-A-W-J-A, Georgia. All right? But I have a unique connection with Alabama in that both my mother and my daddy were born in Alabama. And so I got all about my blood in my body, okay? And I still think Bear Bryant's the greatest coach that ever lived in college football. But anyhow, right. <laughs> oh, me, I tell you, I am so thrilled to be with y'all. And I, I just want to touch on something. The last time I was in this room was when I came to the celebration service of man that I loved so dearly, that loved my Lord so dearly and loved these children so much. But I came here for the celebration of Lynn's life. And I'm going to tell you what, everybody in this room would do well to be half the person of God that that man was. And I loved him dearly. I still love him, by the way. It's not past tense, folks. And I want to tell you something right now. Hear me clearly. Lynn Gibbage did not die. He graduated to glory. And for we who are saved, we're going to see him again. And I can't wait to get with him. You know, he and I never got to fish down here. But we're going to fish up there where all of the keepers, all right? But I want to ask you a question. Speaking of fish, are, are you a keeper? You see, in the world of bass fishing, we have what's called catch and release. And I praise God that all those years I got caught and released from the time I was nine until I was 43. And to prove I'm a real fisherman, I went through the waters of baptism three times. And each time I went through the waters, I got in the waters as a hellbound dry center, and I came out a hellbound wet center three times. But on July 7, 1985, I had my rebirth day. And I tell you what, folks, things have never been the same since then. And that's the whole key of what I want to share with you today. If you have your Bible with you, and let me say something. I shared with you youth today, and Y'all got some amazing young people. You really do. And y'all need to praise God for them. You need to love them. You need to encourage them and help them grow in Jesus. But folks, y'all need to help them go for Jesus. And they're not going to go unless some of you adults take them. And that means it's time to quit warming the pew and get out and start reaching this world for Jesus. We need to get out from under the steeple out to the people. 
And I believe that's what the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is supposed to be about. Can I hear an amen on that? All righty, all righty. Turn with me. By the way, coming to church without your Bible makes about as much sense as me going fishing without a rod and reel. Bring your Bible with you. I encourage you. I challenge you. And I'm going to make a commitment, Brother Stan. If you don't have a Bible, I will make certain this church provides you the Word of God. Because we want you to have it. You know, one of the most precious scriptures says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Well, how can you get it in your heart if you don't put it through your eyes, into your mind, into your heart? Okay? So bring your Bible. I mean, honestly, I can make a mistake in reading the Bible. Stan makes them all the time, so I can do it every now and then. <laughs> you know, he did say something like that. I do pick on him all the time. You know why I pick on him? Because I love him. And I want you to know, Stan, I'm going to do something today I rarely, rarely ever do. But because I love you, brother, and because you say I pick on you all the time, is that true? But a lot. Okay, well, a lot's enough to warrant this. Okay, I'm going to give you a new nickname because I pick on you. You got it. Booger. <laughs> Pastor Booger over there, all right? Hey, folks, you're going to find I'm not your typical preacher, all right? Hey, I, I love Jesus so much that I believe if there's anybody ought to be laughing and having fun, it's those of us who know him and know we've got victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm not going to get it. I already got it, folks. And I had not got over it, and I'm not about to, all right, until I take this last breath. But by the way, don't you believe that I died? I'm going to graduate to glory, and I'm going to get up there with Lynn and my mother and daddy and other loved ones that I love so much. Now, I want us to turn to God's precious, infallible, inerrant, inspired word in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I mentioned about you young people this morning. You know, yesterday we were so honored and so blessed to see 25 people come to the class. But I do want to ask the rest of y'all, where were you? Where were you? We were holding a class on teaching people how to win people to Jesus. Now, if you ought to know all this to know, you don't need to worry about taking any classes like that. But if you know all this to know, that means you're bringing people to Jesus every week. But I'm afraid we're doing it weekly, and you spell that W-E-A-K-L-Y. And folks, I maintain this. We need to get more focused on the Lord and on His leadership and on being better prepared to be a better witness for the Lord Jesus because Jesus is coming soon. If you don't believe me, you get your Bible and the newspaper and put them side by side. And folks, they're very, very similar, getting more so every day. And I believe the return of the Lord is imminent. Don't you, Pastor? It really is, Lord, folks. And that's why, all right, how many folks, well, you're in God's house, by the way. Let me warn you, never lie in God's house. There's a story in the Bible about a man and his wife, and they lied to God about a real estate transaction that happened to be. You remember what he did to them? Struck them dead. Is God still God? Would God still do that today? See, you better not lie in church. All right? How many of you know somebody that you love? A family member, a neighbor, a friend, or a schoolmate that's unsaved? Would you raise your hand? If they go to hell, whose fault is it? 
It's you who raised your hand, friends. Don't you tell them you love them if you're willing to let them go to hell. You know, it's so amazing we had these family get-togethers, and I know this is a family-type church, and I praise God for that. But, folks, we need to get over being the family. We need to be the family of God, doing what God has called us to do. Now, I'll tell you what. Uh, Stan, Brother Stan don't know this, and I didn't know it until right this moment, okay? I will make you a deal. This isn't planned. If y'all will come, I'll be back at 3 o'clock to teach this soul when he flashed again. You know what our financial arrangements were for me to come? Nothing. I'm not charging to come and do this for you folks. I just know the Lord wants you to get more involved in reaching people for Him. And we've got to quit sitting and soaking. We've got to start serving and sharing. And if y'all are willing to come, I will teach this class again. Now, let me tell you, it's, it's a commitment. It's a two-hour commitment. I'm willing to make that. Now, by the way, I taught it yesterday. I'm preaching this morning. I spoke to the young people this morning in Sunday school. Praise God, we had people saved yesterday. Hallelujah, we had seven more saved in Sunday school. To God be the glory. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm praying we're going to see some more saved in this service. But let me say, I'm going to put it this way. Pastor, does that meet your approval for me to teach that class if they'll come? Don't assume just because you reached a certain age that you know all this to know. The Lord called me to this ministry in 1987 when I was 45 years old. I retired from fishing in 1999. Since then, I've written the book. Since then, I've taught it all over America. It's not based on your age as to what you can do for Jesus. As long as you have breath in your body, you can be a witness for the Lord Jesus. And folks, we need to get over this thing. Well, I've reached a certain age, it's time for the younger people to do it. That does not come from God, and that which does not come from God, the Bible says comes from Satan. So I'm encouraging, especially you senior adults. Come on. you got family members that's going to go to hell unless you share Jesus with them. And we have a responsibility a responsibility. If we're saved, we have a burden in our heart for their soul. If you don't have a burden in your heart for their soul, guess what, friend? You're not saved. That's what Jesus does. John chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou dost, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, and I say unto thee, you must be born again, or you're going to go to hell. Now I know that's not popular preaching, folks, but our problem today is we're so busy getting entertained on the TV by listening to these people who want to tickle your ears instead of preach what the Word of God says. God said it, that settles it, folks. 
the song was wrong. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. God said it, that settles it. Can I hear amen? All right. Now, Jesus didn't say once, but three times in that seventh verse passage, born again. Everybody in here has a physical birthday or you wouldn't be here, okay? Pastor, when's your birthday? Okay, when's your birthday, sister? January 4th? Oh, November 4th, okay. When's your birthday, Larry? Okay. How about back there, my Sunday school teacher? When's your birthday? All right, did you notice not one person hesitated to say when they were born? We all know that I was born on January the 27th. But folks, we were born to die. The odds of one out of one of us are going to face eternity. We're going to take that last breath. But for we who are saved, we're not going to die. We're going to graduate. But for those who are not saved, friend, get ready. You're going to die and spend an eternity in death in hell in the fires of hell. People say, oh, wait a minute. Are you one of those hell, fire, and damnation preachers? You bet your boots I am. Because that's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. And I take his words over anybody else. Can I hear amen on that? All right, now, not once but three times, born again. Let me ask you this question. Don't answer it out loud, but based on what Jesus said, when was your rebirth day? On the front row is Gloria, my bride. We're newlyweds. We've only been married 50 years. On February the 4th, 1966, she said, I do, and I said, hot dog. And I'm here to tell you, I'm married, in Alabama football terms, I outpunted my coverage. Wait a minute, let me explain punting to Alabama. Y'all don't punt, you score every time. But we in Georgia, we have to punt, okay? But that means I'm married over my head, all right? And she's not taller than me, all right? But folks, we know the, all of the important dates. Her birthday is March the 18th. Our daughter's is March the 14th. Our son's is August the 1st. We've got six grandchildren. I can tell you their birthday's like that. My mother and daddy in heaven, I can tell you their birthday's like that. I've got three brothers. I can tell you their birthday's like that. But people used to say, well, Terry, when did you get saved? I'd say, well, back when I, was a back when I was a kid. Did you know there's a German word for that? Baloney. When you meet the Lord Jesus Christ in the full pardon and forgiveness of sin, it's just not something that happened back then. That's the most important day in all of life. When you meet the Lord Jesus in the full pardon and forgiveness of sin, when you're born again and when your eternal destination is changed from the fires of hell to the glories of heaven. So my question to you is, when was your rebirth day? If it's not happened and you know it hasn't, honestly, I'm going to tell you when it had better be. It had better be today because not one person in this room is promised tomorrow morning. Not one. By the way, I mentioned Jesus is coming back. I believe soon. Your pastor, likewise, we believe soon. What if he comes back today and you've not been born again? Oh, I didn't say you hadn't joined church. I didn't say, oh, you hadn't been baptized. I didn't say, oh, you believe in God. Hey, I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. I believed the Bible. I had been a deacon in a 1,500-member church for years. Matter of fact, I was ordained in 1970, got saved in 85. 15 years a deacon, lost as a white goose in a snowstorm. I was a minister of music for five years in one church. I sung all over America. I did a lot of recording years ago. I used to sing about Jesus. You know what? I sung about him because I didn't know him. I knew about him, but I didn't know him. 
I didn't know him in the full pardon and forgiveness of sin. Oh, I was religious, but I was religious on my way to hell, and hell's going to be full of religious people, but heaven's only going to have one kind of person there. Based on what our Lord said right there, only those who've been born again. And I praise God we had several, seven or nine, whatever it was, yesterday, born again yesterday. We had seven more born again this morning in Sunday school. I say hallelujah, praise God. But that's not all that needs to happen in this church today. There's some of you riding on your religion, and religion is going to send you straight to hell. There are more religious people in the world today than there's ever been. But there's so few totally committed to the Lord. How committed was our Lord to each one of us? Y'all recall, he hung on an old rugged cross and shed his precious, innocent, sinless blood for dirty, rotten garbage like me, like me and Stan, like me and Stan and Larry, like me and Stan and all of you. And yet, oh, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in, I believe in, so does Satan. Oh, I go to church. Let me tell you a little secret. Satan's in more churches today than Jesus is. The last time I was in this building, there were two to three times more people in this building then at that funeral than there is today. Why? Oh, we were honoring somebody we loved. I loved him. That's why I came all the way from Atlanta here to, to celebrate his graduation day to glory. Are we really being the church that the Lord wants Northside Bible Church to be if we're only acquiring the knowledge but not implementing that knowledge? Information without implementation is pure selfishness. We're so busy bragging about how much we know of the Bible and our Lord is more concerned what we do with what we know. I used this yesterday. I'm going to use it again. Join with me. For God so loved the world that he gave begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have. All right, do you really believe that verse? All right, how many people have you shared it with this year? Do you really love those people you raised your hand about a while ago? When's the last time you told them about your relationship with the Lord Jesus and what Jesus has done for you? You see, folks, we've got to quit playing church and start being the church that the Lord Jesus Christ died for. He didn't die for us just to come in here and have fun and fellowship. And I love fellowship. Uh, Stan and Larry and all these folks, no, I'm a fellowshipping kind of guy. And I'm an eating kind of guy. I didn't get this by being a spectator. I'm a participant, Okay. I love fellowship. I love fun. I, I love food. I, I love all these things. But folks, those are not the primary reason for the church. The reason for the church is for us to fulfill the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the great commission? Well, turn with me. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Larry, if you have a hard time finding it, it's on page 860. All right. I think I just decided Larry's going to be Booger Jr., all right? (laughs) 
Stan, I don't believe you want him as your junior, do you? <laughs> okay, the Great Commission. Now, by the way, it is, it is named the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. Now, by the way, in my Bible, it's written in red. If it's written in red, who said it? Okay, listen to me. It wasn't just written in red ink. It was written in the rich red royal blood of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And not only are we to read it, we are to heed it. Verse number 18, chapter 28, Matthew. Matthew's Gospel. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now I want us to notice, folks, he said, all power has been given unto me. All power, how much is that? That's all the power that God has because he is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, one in three. I've tried to explain the Trinity in many different ways, and I found the simplest way to explain it is, how many people are y'all looking at right now? One, okay. But I'm really three people in one. Because, you see, I'm my parents' child, I am Gloria's husband, and I'm my children's daddy. And I have a unique, personal loving relationship with them individually, differently, but yet the same. But I'm still just Terry. All right? That's the best way I know to explain the Trinity, okay? And you can relate to that yourselves. So, Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. Folks, there's no more power than that. All the heavens He created. All right? He said, Go therefore, wherefore, all four, north, east, south, west, go forth, over everywhere. And what does he say? And teach all nations. Number one, you go. Then number two, you teach. The nations, which means share the love of Jesus, the word of God, and see them get saved. And did you know the minority of people ought to get saved in the church building? The majority of people ought to get saved out in our daily lives, wherever we are. Christianity is not a one-day-a-week deal, folks. It's seven days a week, and we should be coming here to the service station to get our tanks filled so we can go burn our fuel out, sharing the love of Jesus and the Word of God with everybody. But unfortunately, what happens is most Christians come to the church and say, Hey, Pastor, stand, fill my tank. And then you know what we do? We jack up the wheels and burn all the fuel out under the steeple. That makes no sense at all. We don't do that at a service station. Why do we do that at church? Because we do not have a heavenly vision of what the Lord Jesus Christ has said right here. Let's take what we've learned here and take it out there and share it with other people. Then, he said baptize them. Go, baptize. Praise God, soon, I don't know how soon, I don't know what the, your normal procedure is, but we got a bunch of young people that need to get baptized. We had some yesterday that made that commitment to the Lord Jesus. And by the way, I did not ask them to accept Jesus. 
I will never ask anybody to accept Jesus. Never. Because if you accept him today, you can reject him tomorrow. I'm talking about total unconditional surrender. World War II ended, as I heard on the Sea of Japan. When the Japanese came on board our ship, they said, what does it take for this war to end? Three words, total unconditional surrender. What does it take to go to heaven, to be born again? Total unconditional surrender. Praise God. Not only those yesterday, but we got seven young people this morning in Sunday school who were born again, who were saved, and they're going to be baptized. Now, the Bible says here in, in Jesus' words, go, win them to Jesus, bring them in, baptize them, and then he says, teaching them to observe all things. See, in our world of today, we've kind of got things backwards. We say, okay, let's invite them to church, and then put the pressure on the Sunday school teacher and the preacher to win them to Jesus, and then they'll get baptized. Folks, that is totally backwards. Jesus said, go out there and win them to me. Bring them in and let them baptize. Then they'll be ready to learn the things of God. You cannot teach truth to a dead person. I want you to imagine after the service today, Brother Stan and I are going down to the cemetery and we're going to hold a revival service. Now, by the way, I'm going to let him preach and I'll do the music, okay? But brother, if you get a response, you got it by yourself. I'm out of there. But as foolish as that sounds, that's what we're doing in our world of today. In our churches of today. Nowhere does Jesus say, invite people to come to church. You invite them to come to Jesus. If they get Jesus, they'll have the Holy Spirit of God in them, and they will come to church. You you have to hold them back from coming instead of making them come. You know why most people don't come to church? They're not indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And we've been teaching it wrong all these years. Jesus cannot come into your heart because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us as he stated in his word. He said, when I leave, I will send the Holy Spirit. And the moment you're saved, bless God, you get the Holy Spirit of God. You don't have to get the second blessing to get the Holy Spirit of God. If you've been born again, you've got him. It's like that victory in Jesus. We don't have to pray to get it. You saved, you already got it. Okay? Go therefore and make disciples. Are we really going like we ought to? No. Are we baptizing like we ought to be? No. Now, as a Christian... I believe in tithing. Anybody else? All right, that's the majority of the church family. How many people do y'all have on roll in this church? Members? Anyone? I'm sorry? 75? Okay, are y'all baptizing at least eight people every year? Okay, good. But y'all increase it every year. See, a tithe is a starting point. But my point here, I believe that every person in this room ought to be a soul winner for Jesus if you're saved. And the sad thing is the majority of people, I believe in most churches, they're going to stand before the Lord Jesus and he's going to say, where are those you brought to me? Their head's going to be bowed. 
Must we go in empty-handed? Y'all know that old hymn, must I go in empty-handed? No. We need to love Jesus enough to love people to him. It's not a matter of taking a Bible and beating it into them, folks. It's a matter of loving Jesus into people. And if what you found in Jesus is not worth sharing, friend, you hadn't met the Jesus I've met. I'm here to tell you. So, the Great Commission. I've had people say, well, Brother Terry, I know God's called you as an evangelist, and he's called Brother Stan as a pastor, but, but I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. I can't be so bold as to share my faith. Can I make an observation to you? How many grandparents we got in here? Where did y'all have to go to learn how to brag on your grandchildren? Is that not about the dumbest thing you've ever heard in your life? Learn I blessed to have six. It just doing what comes naturally. If you really love Jesus, bragging on him is doing what comes naturally. If you got religion, you won't do it. But if you've got an intimate, loving relationship closer than that of anybody on this planet, and I love that woman, I'd lay down my life for her in, in a heartbeat, but she knows she's number two in my life. And she's happy with that because she knows number one is the Lord Jesus. Number two is my bride, okay? Is Jesus really number one in your life? Are you bragging on him like he is? If you're not bragging on him, then is he number one? I would dare say no. But bless God, he wants to be, he deserves to be, and he can be. And today can be the start of the day when that happens. But I want you to notice what Jesus said. When we talk about, well, we can't do this, Lord. I, I don't know how to do that. Well, let's look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you know what? I love to come to a Bible church because people in the Bible church know what the Bible says and they have their Bibles and read their Bibles and heed their Bible, okay? Now, the Lord Jesus, again, written in red, so he said it. Acts 1, 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's at salvation. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Mobile, in Alabama, in America, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Is that what that says right there? You bet your boots it is. But I want you to notice a verse that most people overlook. The next verse. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. The very last words that the Lord Jesus said with his feet on this earth was not put your tithe in the offering plate, though we should. It was not be faithful to your church, though you should. Have a loving family relationship in the church, though we should. His last words were, be my witness. Now, I want you to imagine when we leave here this afternoon, we'll be done by 6 o'clock, so don't worry, you'll get ready for supper. All right? But when we leave, I want you to imagine, and I've come to this church many, many times over the years, many times. But down at the bottom of the hill there, let's say Larry, Stan, and I leave all at the same time in three different vehicles. And we see a head-on collision out there. 
Well, we're called into the court to be a witness for what happened in the wreck, okay? So the judge calls, Pastor Gibbons, would you tell me what you saw? Now, being a pastor, he's going to say, well, John, it's like this. Let me tell you what I saw, then I'm going to tell you what I saw, and I'm going to tell you again what I saw. That's what pastors do, okay? And the judge will say, thank you, sir. You may be seated. And then the judge will say, uh, Larry, how about coming up here and sharing your, what you saw? So Larry would stand up there, and, you know, being a businessman and all, it's, it's black and white. There's no gray in the middle. I think I read Larry fairly well on that. All right. Your Honor, it's just like this. Here's precisely what happened, and here's the order, and that's it. Thank you, sir. You may be seated. But the judge says, okay, you evangelist from Georgia, come on up here and tell me what you saw. I would say, well, Your Honor, I saw every detail just like Larry and just like the pastor saw, but Your Honor, I'm going to be a silent witness. What do you think that judge would say to me? Get out of here. You have no value. Friend, what do you think Jesus is going to say when we've been a silent witness for him and not shared him with others? With the honesty, the straightforwardness, the vim and vigor that your pastor does, that Larry does, that we should be doing. And we say we can't do it. You're calling Jesus a liar. He said he would give you the Holy Spirit of God. You would do it. Also, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? But are we leaning on the everlasting arms? Are we trusting and obeying? Are we really being a soldier of the Lord? Or are we being a footstool of Satan? Dear friends, those whom we love, those whom we care about, they're going to go to hell. I'm praying the Lord will put it in your mind right now. I want you to see the picture of them frying in hell eternally and just begging for one drop of water that they'll never get. And if they go, hear me clearly, it's your fault. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, folks, there's repentance at salvation. That's when we trust and obey. We place our faith in the Lord Jesus for what he did when he hung on that cross and paid the price for your sin and my sin. And that's when we totally, unconditionally surrender to him. And I know, I don't believe this, I know many of you accepted Jesus, but you're nowhere near where you used to be with him. Your heart has turned cold. Your heart is not as hot for Jesus as it once was. Well, guess what? Somebody moved and it wasn't Jesus. And I believe there are many of you in this room, you can say, Terry, I know I'm saved. I know that I place my faith in Jesus. But you know what? I've not been the child of the king that I ought to be. But today I'm going to recommit my life to the Lord. And I am going to, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God who's in me, I'm going to be a better witness for Jesus. But see, if you didn't see the wreck out there, you wouldn't be a witness in the courtroom. If you're not saved, that likely is why you're not being the witness for Jesus. Many of the times, all over America, the spectators wouldn't know the pro fishermen from the amateurs because the amateurs would wear more patches on their shirts <laughs> than who the pros were. 
And people didn't know who were really the pros and who weren't if they didn't know them by name or see them on television or in the magazines. That's what you call deception, folks. The churches are full of deceivers. Oh, they know the words. They know how to act. They know how to fellowship. They know how to eat. But they don't know how to honor and trust and obey the Lord and be his witness and bring people to Jesus. How about you? You see, I'm praying right now for Holy Spirit conviction. I cannot convince you. Your pastor can't convince you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And believe me, he's good at it. And I'm going to tell you how you're going to know if he's convincing you right now. It feels like your heart's about to pound out of your chest. And it wasn't what I said. It's by who led me to say what I said. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you hear my knock and open the door, I will come in. Now, being intelligent people, everybody in this room knows that your heart and your brain are directly connected. They're the two most vital organs in your body. Amen? A lot of TV preachers are messing people up by saying, oh, you've got to get the feeling. No. What you've heard made good old common horse sense, as they say in Alabama and Georgia. When Jesus is confirming it to your heart, it makes sense in your mind. And if what you heard today made sense and you're being convicted, you need to do something about it. You need to come and confess and repent. You need to yield to the Lord. In just a few moments, we're going to have our invitation. Your pastor's going to be standing right there in front. And I want all of you, especially in Sunday school, who got saved this morning, and anyone else in this room who's going to get saved before we leave, I want you to come down look at that man square in the eye and say, Pastor, I want to tell you, I got saved today. Let me tell you what that man's going to do. He's going to wrap his arms of love around you because he is truly a loving shepherd. Don't deny him the blessing of loving you by staying where you are and not being obedient to what the Lord wants done. I believe there are many of you in this room, you can say, wait a minute, Terry, I've been in church all my life. Folks, I got saved at 43. For 34 years, I was deeply involved in church. There was only one job I probably didn't have in the church, and that was pastor. But again, I was as lost as a white goose in a snowstorm. But it wasn't until I knew the Holy Spirit of God convicted my heart. And when I walked down the aisle of the church that day, First Baptist Church of Lilburn, Georgia, there's roughly 1,000 people there. My pastor was standing down front. And when I came down, I'm one of the deacons there now. My pastor said, Terry, why would you come forward? I said, Pastor, I just got saved. He said, do what? I said, I just got saved. Jesus said, if you're saying to me before men, he said, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. So folks, this isn't about doing anything for me. It's not doing a blessed thing to your pastor. What needs to be done is what you're going to do for the Lord. And that means we're going to totally unconditionally surrender to him today and be born again and be saved like those in Sunday school did. Many of you are going to say, well, Terry, I can't get saved but once, and you're exactly right. You can only be physically born once. You can only be saved one time. But was it true salvation or was it just a belief? Was it a real commitment or was it just, okay, 
I talk about the three P's of pressure. Sometimes we join the church because of peer pressure. Oh, Gloria and I did that. I had a cousin walk down the aisle, and I went with him, and her brother walked down. She went with him. We didn't get saved. We just joined the church, got baptized. Then we have parental pressure where sometimes, especially with the older folks, mama and daddy would say, okay, son, daughter, it's time for us to join the church. We're going to come join the church. Well, they were already saved. They joined the church. You didn't get saved. You just joined the church. That will not take you into heaven. Joining the church, going through the waters of baptism will no more take you into heaven than walking into McDonald's and make you a hamburger. You must be born again, okay? So today, I want you to do what the Lord deserves. He gave his all and his best. What then does he deserve from you? Your all and your best.